Now, more than ever, the great people of Tennessee are frustrated with the current direction we're headed as a state and as a country. We, the people, need to take a stand together, not simply as individuals, but as a force of nature in order to protect individual liberty. On this show, you'll hear from three voices who lead an organization called Tennessee Stands. Myself, John Fender, the Director of Communications, Gary Humble, the Executive Director, and Kevin Kukaji, the Chairman of the Board. We'll sit down with politicians, business leaders, community organizers, and citizens just like yourself to discuss the ideas, action points, and strategies needed to boldly take a stand and assert the unalienable rights given to us naturally by God. Welcome to the Freedom Matters Podcast. So for those keeping score at home, at the time of this recording, baseball started yesterday, officially. Hey. Cubs won. Cubs won. So that's all that matters to me. Cubs are in first place right now. That's the last time that'll happen this season. And at the moment. But I'm enjoying it. Uh, in in the Red Sox-Yankees opening game, it's the bottom of the eighth right now. And? Red Sox are up four to three. There you go. Are the Rangers playing, Gary? Do you know? Do you care? I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I have too much other stuff going on, guys. There's a lot going on. Uh, and for golfers, the Masters are going on. Not for Tiger, apparently. Uh, he's not doing so hot right now. I don't know what... How, how long do the Masters go? Like, when this comes Thursday, out next Friday, Wednesday? Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, so it'll be done. Oh, so it'll be over next Wednesday when this when you're listening. But whatever. Uh, you have so much stuff going on, then let's talk about it. Yeah. Um, forget sports. Let's talk about specifically something that I was asked about today, and I didn't really know how to answer it. So uh, let's talk about the marriage bill that's getting so much conversation around town. What is it? What... What isn't it? Because what is being said it is, is not what it really is. Yeah. By the way, without naming names, was this, where where were you asked this? In the office, on the street, at home? In the office. We, so we have someone, it's going to sound really bougie, but it's not. We have a guy <laughs> who comes to the office to cut our hair. It's not because we're bougie. It's just, <laughs> <laughs> it just worked out that way. It's the guy who cuts our hair. So, great. more or less... Or barber. Just, yeah, I was just curious where it came up. I yeah, was and up I didn't know that. how to answer the question, but I knew it wasn't what it's being said it is. So the so. question was, why Why do you support a, a child marriage bill? Well, the question <laughs> was, what is this marriage bill thing I keep hearing about and marrying children and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah. Wow, that was his first point of reference. Yeah. God, it shows the other side is really... I said, well, I know that that's not advanced. it. I know that's not what it is, but <clears> I don't really know what to tell you what it is. Well, look, when you own the media... Right, you can spin whatever you want. Look, the bill mm-hmm. is actually much simpler than that, and and it's being you know it was drafted and being run by an organization called the Family Action Council Tennessee, uh, drafted by um, real smart guy named David Fowler, uh, who I used to work for. I used to work for Fact, and so I'm I'm intimately familiar with this bill because this has been run for two years now, uh, trying to get this through committee, and uh, initially. You know, this year's bill is actually quite simple. The The bill that was run initially would have completely wiped away uh, the marriage licensing, marriage licensing scheme in Tennessee completely. There would have been no more marriage licenses, which, which quite honestly, if you understand marriage and courts and where marriage came from and common law and God-given rights, really, what does the state have to do with marriage at all? 
right, in any regard. But the bill being run right now does actually something more simple in an effort to actually get the bill passed. It does not touch Tennessee's current licensing scheme. It only sets up an additional way to be married by which a church can marry a couple without a permission slip from the state. So the state would now be required to honor a marriage between a man and a woman that has committed themselves before the sight of God in a church blessed by a pastor and under common law rights. Tennessee would be required, as as in several states, by the way, that already acknowledge marriage without a license. But but for those who who may be used to common law marriage in other states, in the state of Tennessee, you are not legally recognized in any way, shape, or form in this state as married unless you have a marriage certificate. So this changes that. This allows um, you to be married in, in a church without permission from the government. That's literally all it does. It doesn't get rid of the marriage certificate system. It just says you can do it without it. That's correct. And, Gary, why don't you tell our audience, in case anybody is curious, there shouldn't be on this, our listenership base, <clears throat> but why? what's the motivation behind this bill? What are pastors and churches um, trying to prevent from happening. So the rub is that currently in the state of Tennessee, pastors are required to violate their conscience because they must sign a marriage certificate that acknowledges gay marriage because the marriage certificate in Tennessee no longer says bride and groom, man and woman. I think it actually says uh, partner one and partner two, I think is what it was changed to. And that marriage certificate, there's there's a history here. And, you know, we've not – Tennessee Stance has not dabbled into the, the gay marriage debate a whole lot. But, mm-hmm. but when you really think about the power of courts, that's really the crux of the argument. What this bill essentially at its root is saying is that courts have no rights to redefine what marriage is and is not. And they especially don't have a right to break the barrier of the state and then define for the state what marriage is and what marriage is not. Because the United States Constitution has enumerated no right to the federal government having anything to do with family or marriage or anything of the sort. Which is why there are no, if, if you think about this for a moment, there are no federal marriage courts, divorce courts, custody courts, family courts that doesn't exist in federal law that is that is all are in, in federal courts that all happens at the state level. Why? Because those are assumed state powers per the Tenth Amendment because they've never been given to the federal government. Yet in 2015, uh, you had the Obergefell v. Hodges case that went to the Supreme Court. And uh, there were, I think there were four states involved in that lawsuit. Interestingly, Tennessee being one of them. Uh, this gay couple, I think, was moving here from New Jersey and sued the state of Tennessee for their <coughs> marriage license to be recognized by the state. That got merged into the Obergefell v. Hodges case. And that 2015 Supreme Court decision is where many people would tell you gay marriage was legalized. Well, that's only if you believe that courts make laws, which they do not. Courts simply adjudicate cases and controversies between two people, okay? And it's it's also interesting to note, I, I won't belabor the point, but in that specific decision, and there's, there's federal court record in Nashville on this, 
where the court case was in Tennessee, the lawsuit was only based upon Tennessee's requirement to recognize gay marriage that had happened in another same sex marriage that had happened in another state. Okay. And when the Supreme Court ruled in Obergefell v. Hodges, that court ruling only enjoined the state's law as it pertained to recognition laws. They never touched the licensing laws. And so the same-sex couple that had sued the state of Tennessee went to the federal judge and asked the federal judge to expand the ruling to include Tennessee's licensing laws. The judge refused and said no, she could not do that because the lawsuit was not based on licensing laws. So it's important to understand that when we say gay marriage has been legalized, in the state of Tennessee, no court – let me repeat that – no court has ever – enjoined or blocked Tennessee's current licensing laws that are currently on the books as written, which say marriage is between a man and a woman, including our constitutional amendment we placed in Article One of the Tennessee State Constitution, which defines marriage between a man and a woman. That has never been touched by the court yet. The day after the Obergefell ruling came down, then Governor Bill Haslam, the next day, issued a brand new marriage form that never went through government ops, never went through the legislative process. They bypassed all of that and capitulated to an illegitimate court ruling that never touched Tennessee's licensing law. And within his own executive authority, rewrote the form that was now sent out to all county clerks in Tennessee that now all Tennessee pastors must sign and violate their conscience by affirming same-sex marriage every time they sign a marriage certificate. That is the that is the fundamental liberty, religious liberty root of the argument and why this bill came to be. So I've got two well, I have one comment and one question. The comment is it's interesting, isn't it, that these new certificates were already prepared in advance to go out, right? Anticipating mm. a favorable judgment from the Supreme Court. It wasn't like they said, oh darn the Supreme Court ruled against what we believe, therefore we're going to have, aside from the fact that it, they were not mandated, we're going to have to take the time to redesign these marriage certificates, right? No, they already had it in their pile ready to go, as the left always does with, with any kind of legislation that's been in the drawers of legislators for years until they wait for the political environment to be appropriate. So that, I think, is telling. But I do have a question, Gary, which is what currently – would happen to a pastor, is there a civil penalty for a pastor who, I don't know, changes, maybe marks up the certificate, edits it, right, puts man or woman on it, or marries without that certificate? Is there any kind of civil penalty, and what is it? I wish Mr. Fowler would hear, were here because he could answer that question uh, with with the correct answer. I, I, don't re I, I do recall that currently there is some the the pastor is placed in some kind of a legal predicament because um that form is required by the state to validate the marriage i would assume that there's some sort of rep repercussion for tampering with a a, oh, could, le a legal document. Yes, could could they alter the the state form? I I don't think so. Yeah, probably not. But it's not. See, the, the interesting thing though, it's not just on the pastor. It's also the, I also learned this working at fact. The way the law is structured, it's not only on the pastor in the state. Really, the the central figure here is the county clerk. 
Mm. So just like in Kentucky, the mm-hmm. Kentucky case. Yes. Mm-hmm. It, so the real figure, the constitutional elected official that is required to administer the licensing certificate is the county clerk. And they have a, a civil duty as to whether or not they're going to use, you know, an appropriate form. So, you know, in another lawsuit that FACT had filed some years ago, uh, the lawsuit was against a county clerk because the county clerk is also, as a constitutional officer, required to follow the law. And, and guess what? In case people don't rec- realize this, county clerks do not work for anyone. They they are sole elected officials that are solely re- that are they are constitutional <clears throat> officers. So their boss is the constitution. It's like a sheriff. That's right. And they have an obligation themselves to know the law and to follow it. So. You know, it's it's not a matter of taking directions from the governor. The county clerk has to follow the Constitution. So whenever they issue a falsified marriage certificate that has not gone through a legitimate legislative process and has never been enjoined by a court or a federal court, and they are breaking current Tennessee licensing law and ignoring our constitutional provisions by providing this – they are the ones providing a falsified licensing do we know of any commissioners who have refused to adopt what was Haslam's changed marriage certificate? I don't know of any. So everybody went 90, along. 95 counties. We just, oh, we have a new form. And no it's biggie. most likely because most of those, wouldn't you say, 90% of those counties, the the clerks do not know the Constitution. And perhaps, like many of our sheriffs, unfortunately— are not even aware that they are constitutional officers. They think they work for someone in the That's state right. government. Yeah. They don't even know they don't work for the governor. Yeah. Well, I didn't know that. Now I know that. Uh, so you're so to, just to clarify, you're t- you're saying that the current con- state constitution of Tennessee defines marriage between a man and a woman. I believe it's Article One, Section Thirty-Six. And there has never been a law put on the books that changes that. Never. So in in the state of Tennessee, same sex marriage is not legal. That's correct. Okay, I just wanted to clarify. That's that. correct. We are we are ignoring that law. We have invented a form that should never have existed, that no one approved except the governor's office, and we are we are marrying same sex couples with no foundation in Tennessee law, based on a Supreme Court ruling that never enjoined our licensing laws. That's exactly. In fact, all wh- it said was that if you get married in a state that does does allow it will recognize Tennessee it. has to recognize but it. we're that's, not going to license them that's here correct in Tennessee. that's correct if we w- if we would be doing that today we would be following the letter of the law that's right so so look the the root here that we're trying to address the root of the argument is, is simple of course one it's a religious one we're talking about religious liberty a, a right of conscience of a pastor to not have to sign a form that uh, in any way affirms uh, same-sex marriage and violates their conscience and their religious beliefs. But it's it's also a rudimentary understanding of, of the way government works and the way courts work and the fact that we are currently breaking our state law. So that's all this current marriage bill addresses is it creates a law in Tennessee whereby pastors can marry men and women without the need for a license protect their consciences, and Tennessee is required uh, to now recognize these marriages without a license, like many other states already do. So it's not a a huge shift, but it's being called what the left is using 
is it's being called, well, this is to, to allow child marriage. Can't believe Republicans are pushing child marriage. So let's look at it from that angle, though. Yeah. If you don't have to have a license, which would restrict marriage to a certain age, mm-hmm. you could technically <clears throat> use this as a way to marry children. Sure. So I have a question for you. Okay. If two parents, two families, determine to allow two consenting what we would consider minors, to marry each other. And those minors consent, the families consent, and the church consents. My question to you is, what does the state have anything to say about it? I I don't know, except that there are situations where you could put Let's just let's just take a hypothetical situation. Say you have a forty-year-old man who wants to marry a thirteen-year-old girl. You could say that forty-year-old guy is going to give consent. You could say the parents of the thirteen-year-old might give consent, made based on religious belief or cult belief or whatever that is. But that thirteen-year-old girl, she what? Do you just have to have verbal consent from her? And like, is that verbal consent legit, or is she being no, pressured into she, that verbal? Well, consent? she's not eighteen, so you already have. You already have laws that deal with so mi- that's minors. Yeah, no, a minor is legally incompetent to speak for herself or himself. So those are that's so that would be my whole big question. There's a whole group of laws. Yeah. that would uh, pertain to that situation yes. specifically. Minors cannot enter into contracts. They're they're void as a matter of law. That's why in the entertainment business, when you have these, um, there is one exception. When you have a minor who is entering into a contract, the only way to get that contract to be enforceable is you have to go through a formal legal legal proceeding with the parents, with the minor, with guardian if there's no parent, to get that, that specific contract. It only applies to the one contract that's before the judge, not to everything that has ever happened or ever will happen. And it's a waiver process. It's an acknowledgement. It's You have everybody involved. And then the judge says, okay, in this circumstance – we're going to hold that this contract is enforceable. It's so, a very expensive and particular process. So with that in mind, that just, I mean, that set of laws right there that destroys the whole left's... Their narrative. Their narrative on what this bill actually is because you still can't do that. You can't marry children because they can't go into a contract. And it also implies... <laughs> but would, is this a contract? Yeah, marriage per, is a contract. Per, com- per common law, this ap- absolutely <clears throat> is a contract between two people, Yes. Even yeah. without a certificate. Yeah, ma- marriage a, a, is... A verbal agreement is a contract okay. in, under common law. When you have an offer and an acceptance. Here we are going to law school. Well, that, let's do it. Let's go yeah. to law school. A contract is an offer and, a, and an acceptance. So, yes, it doesn't need to be in writing. Okay. Um, but there needs to be an offer and there needs to be an acceptance. And acceptance can be by action, too. You can accept a contract by your actions. Um, you don't have to just say, yes, I'll do it. But... I was going to also add to it, I I find it peculiar that the left, they're very strategic in this, but they would project upon our side and suggest something that we would never even think of doing. And yet, what happened at the time that Obergefell came out? We kept warning that once Obergefell passes, it's going to legitimize pedophiles, it's going to legitimize, you know, um, adult child Yep. Uh, marriages. And sure enough, the, I don't know what you call them, like the, the American Pedophile Association came out like literally that day or the next day saying 
this man, is this man, is another man step. or something. The man and boy love yeah. association. They came like out championing that holding because they said it opens the door for them to do what they've always wanted to do. So it has always been in the seven left's years, by the way, in mission. seven years. Yeah, it's always been the left's mission to advance these ungodly, detestable practices. The fact that they would try to smear an effort by the right to leave marriage and the definition of marriage in God's hands, because God created marriage, mm -hmm. is it's a trick of the devil. And and those on our side who are advancing the bill must hold strong. They can't capitulate to that name-calling, because that's all it is. It's an attempt to destroy their credibility, but it's a lie. It's based on lies, and it's not going to succeed. All right. I think I get it. I mean, quite for, for me personally, I just, I don't think marriage licenses should have never existed in fact if you if you i did the research on this when i was in fact when you look at the history of marriage license marriage licensing was originally instituted for one purpose to keep blacks and whites from marrying really that's that is that is the was the express purpose of why marriage licenses were created so when was when to was stop this? interracial marriage in the, the 20s maybe okay it was created to stop interracial marriage. So prior to the twenties, like nobody was using common law marriage. You have a there's no such thing as a marriage law. You license. just get married. You get married. You get you go to the church, you get married, and the state goes, Oh, you're married. Yeah. Cool. Yep. All right. Okay. Well, I, I think I get it. That makes sense. Um oh, I thought you were going somewhere. No, I was just gonna thank Gary for that one. I think we've put a good period on that yeah, one for yeah. this discussion. That makes sense. Explains what the narrative being said is, but what's actually going through on, on the bill. So let's go to the second bill of interest that uh, you had an update on yeah, from good. our good uh, good buddy uh, the old, Cameron Sexton. The old, the old transparency. Yeah. Boy, always <laughs> don't they always choose words that mean exactly mm. the opposite of what they intend? Yeah. Uh, well, a, a word that they know that we want, right? That we identify yeah. with, that we appreciate. Yes, who doesn't want transparency? Mm. Transparency. Um, Which, by the way, is a total insult to the intelligence of any conservative of any liberty-minded uh, American, any Christian. You should not fall for these little word games that they play. Yeah. Well, which is why we're here. This this is why Tennessee Stands is here and why we do the Freedom Matters podcast to talk about these issues. So Speaker Cameron Sexton here in Tennessee is pushing an amendment. Last minute, by the way, this, you know, all of a sudden you, you went, we went from a, I don't know, a two-page bill or one-page bill to a, 18-page bill, something like that, you know, mm. uh, last-minute amend amendment that now does all these different sorts of things. And it, most of it has has to do with campaign finance law. But there's a little there's a little section, section 13 on page 9 of the amendment, that we find egregious, unconstitutional, and an assault to the free speech rights of every individual here in Tennessee. And so here's the, the crux of the matter. Right now, it's already existing law, which we accept, and, and I feel like, for the most part, it's probably a good thing. You want to keep we, we do want accountability and transparency. Those things are actually important. And if you're a, a corporation, any corporation, private, for-profit, nonprofit, and you engage in electioneering, in other words, you advocate for the election or the defeat of a candidate, vote for, vote against, you must register and you spend uh, money towards those efforts, right? You must register as a PAC. And registering as a PAC, a political action committee, is a big deal because you're taking on a lot of oversight. You're 
pulling up your skirt, so to speak. There's no secrecy. All of your, every expenditure and every donation is public data. Hmm. Every quarter, all of those transactions are reported to the state and the public can pull them all up. So it's wide open, okay? And we all accept that. We acknowledge it's good practice. And when we know we're going to start an organization that's going to electioneer, we register as a PAC. Fine, moving on. But now this bill is saying, we understand that we're, this is the requirement for any corporation, but if you just so happen to be like Tennessee Stands and the Tennessee Firearms Association and Americans for Prosperity and the Beacon Center and a host of other advocacy organizations around the country and here in Tennessee, if you are a 501c4 social advocacy nonprofit, this law would require that for 60 days prior to an election, doesn't matter if you say vote for, but we're not even talking about electioneering language. If you simply cannot use the name or the likeness of any political candidate for 60 days prior to an election, which in an election year would be four months because that's 60 days prior to the primary and 60 days prior to the general. Well, that's half your election cycle. That's right. So, And what does that have to do with transparency? So as an organization— Yeah, that's my question. Why? Well, because uh, they don't like our influence at this point. <laughs> they, the American people's influence. That's right. That's oh, exactly. Oh, yeah. got it. Okay, yeah, Look, that makes total sense. You can't allow anyone to um, overcome Pfizer and all of the <clears throat> healthcare money that's flowing into their accounts. We don't want it to be we the people. No. That would be too much. It's got to be they the legislators. Yes. And, and Tori Venable uh, from Americans for Prosperity, she was quoted in an article in the Tennessee Conservative News. Made, I mean, I thought it was like the best quote of all, and I don't, I don't have it verbatim, but what she, what she essentially said is, well, I think what you mean by transparency, the desire for transparency is on behalf of the government. The people want transparency on our in our government. But what you're asking is you want government to now be able to peek behind the privacy mm, veil. Really good point. And to the private individual, and you want us to be transparent to the government. That's yeah. not the way that transparency is supposed to work. Nope. But do you remember our discussion from a couple of weeks ago about how the government is trying to take individual rights in the Constitution and make them apply to the government? We spoke about that specifically with regard to a Tennessee case. We talked about that with regard to federal law during COVID, how the government um, – tried that claim and tried to defend itself against, um, it had to do with the cruise lines in Florida. I don't remember the details, but the position taken in both that case, which was a federal federal case, and the state issue that we talked about a couple of weeks ago, and now what you're talking about with regard to transparency, all completely inverts the purpose. It inverts uh, individual rights into becoming government rights at the expense of the people. Which they and, don't have. Right. And now they're inverting this idea of transparency, which has always been about the people need to know what's behind the curtain of government in order for there to be a free society. And they're completely turning that on its head saying, oh, no, 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 you can't know what's going on here, but everybody must know what's going on in your lives. That's right. Total abuse of power. Yep. And, and that's exactly what it's for. Look, these people have proven they, they've shown their cards. They are willing to use their power, use the force of government. To protect their own interest, to protect their power, and to protect their positions. This is the interest here that's being protected by this bill. It's not, they're not this isn't a protection on the people. I mean, for example, look, Tennessee Stands is very active. I make all these videos 
showing you the committee meeting, which obviously shows the likeness of a candidate. Right. And I'm telling you their names and I'm telling you how they voted. Here's what such and such said. These are things you need to know about your representatives. For 60 days prior to an election, I would have to shut my mouth. I could not say any of that. In fact, let me throw a doozy at you. I was on radio this morning on the Todd Storm with the Tim Van Horn in Memphis this morning. And he posed a really good question. He said, so, Gary, you're a candidate for office right now. You're running for state senate. He said, so for 60 days prior to an election, could you be on a video at Tennessee Stands? Could you say your name? I Probably said, not. So, well, I guess not. I guess I'd just have to do radio with you and you'd have to come up with some sort of alias big Latin name for me. Like, because <laughs> I mean, think about that. I, I could not even run Tennessee stands as a candidate because I'd be possibly in violation of Tennessee state law. So he has to be catching a lot of crap for this. <laughs> oh, like, there, there's yeah. no way this gets through. Well, I think or even considered for what that it, matter. What is the bill number? That is HB 1201, HB 1201. And uh, this goes to the House Local Government Committee on Tuesday at noon. And um, my understanding is their phones are already getting blown up. Look, we've we've made a call to action. These other organizations that I've mentioned made a call to action. Uh, Brandon Lewis from the Tennessee Conservative News did a phenomenal live video today on the issue and made a call to action. And, I mean, I know – that their phones are getting it. I, I released today an open letter to Speaker Cameron Sexton and post that's going to go on our e-blast. And we put that all out on social media. So look, I mean, the bottom line is this just can't happen. This is a a clear assault to free speech, our First Amendment rights. And and I promise you, I, I, made, a, I made a guarantee to Speaker Sexton. This bill passes as is, and you can expect a legal challenge at your doorstep. Mm-hmm. And this is This is not going to stand. I, I have to imagine the blowback from this is on both sides of the aisle. Because you got both sides that are going to want to do this. I can't imagine this is a this is a political like a bipart or a, a partisan thing. Because yeah, but the history of the left, John, is has always been to shut down C four. C fours came about because there was so much. Look, the left controls the media, so the left already has all of your talk show talking heads, all of your mainstream media. They are already mouthpieces for the views of the left. The only organizations that we're able to – that we can use to mount a resistance are such organizations as C4 so we can invest the money to compete. And as soon as they see it, they're like, no, 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 no. We're not going to allow you to compete. And they pretend that it's a level playing field all the while every night show talk host is advancing their cause, every talking head on NBC, CNN, MSNBC, even Fox News to a great extent anymore. I mean – So this only, they, this only applies to C4s. <clears throat> That's and that's one of the problems with the bill. I even brought up, you know, equal protection under the law. You know, a, a, a similarly situated entities should be treated similarly under the law. So you've made it. The law already states that corporations across the board, you know, can't electioneer. But now you're create you're carving out only five hundred one c four to say, well, wait a minute. But if you're a five hundred one c four, here's this new specific set of rules that only you must follow. So let me let me make sure I get this straight. This is a clear attack to to what we're doing at Tennessee Stands. By a Republican. By a Republic by Republicans. That's what I was gonna just reiterate here. To Kevin's point, like the majority of C fours are probably going to either be conservative or, or mm-hmm. Republican based. Oh no, no, not no no it, it crosses the board. I mean look, uh, 
ACLU, Planned Parenthood. I mean, they every every issue group, whether it be conservative or left leaning, will have. But they're a, not pushing a, candidates. Well, what I'm saying is they they have a C4 advocacy entity that will oh, I see that will speak about what candidates may or may not do. So it's it's going to work. It works both ways. But again, they also have the media. So at the end of the day, the people who it hurts are those on the political right. Because this hurts conservatives more. Yeah, by far more. And so, which goes to John's question: Why in the world is a quote unquote Republican advancing this bill? What do you think? Maybe because they're not conservatives. <laughs> is that possible? Is it is it that he's just not quite all there, or is it just that he thinks that we're not all quite there and we'll just we'll just roll over? And I I don't know the answer to that question, but I I have a related question, which is, do you think he really woke up one day and said, "I've got this idea for this bill"? Who's behind this bill? Or did he wake up one Who day and suggested get a check? it to him? Yeah, who suggested to him that this would be a really good idea, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Who who draft who really drafted this? Hmm. That's a great question. So do you have a uh things I wouldn't do as a speaker of the house? <laughs> <laughs> Is that a list? If you I have? was a Republican speaker of the house, I would never <laughs> advance legislation intended to crush the free speech of any American. Um and actually as we were talking about the other issue, I just added a new one to my list of things I would never do as governor. Okay. Yes. In reference to Governor Haslam this time, I would never create a new form of marriage certificate that changes the definition of marriage and then abuse my power by sending that certificate to all 95 county commissioners advising that they must use this new, really unlawful certificate. And things I wouldn't do as a county clerk is say yes to that. That's right. Yeah, I, I kind of hope that there would be a, a county clerk with courage, and I'm sure there are. <clears throat> That don't know, so hopefully they're listening to this. And yeah, like you mentioned, we had one in Kentucky. Yeah, had a very good one in Kentucky. Hmm. Well, those were two, I mean... And I see the Yankees have tied the Red Sox. Oh, oh sorry, Kevin. Four but, to four. <laughs> bottom but, of the ninth. But uh, Joe Rogan's always welcome. Absolutely. <laughs> always. If we say that enough, maybe someone will hear his name. Somebody like, will pass that on. It's yeah. going to get to his ears eventually at some point. I had I had I wanted to talk about some of the Disney stuff, but we can get there at some point. Dude, the stuff that coming out with Disney is just crazy. But uh, hey, there's always Dollywood. That's true, right? Because it's almost the price of Disney at this point, so you <laughs> might as well go to Dollywood. <laughs> I've never liked Disney. <clears throat> it's always depressed me. People would go to Disney and talk about taking their kids to Disney. They'd go all the time. And I'm like, mm. I went when I was about eight years old, seven years old, and. Even then, there was something in my spirit that just defied the whole essence of what Disney was all about. You know, about. they call it the happiest place on earth. <clears throat> and every time we go to Disney, the, the the game we play is we count how many kids we see crying mm. at Disney World. It's like, I, this is the happiest place on earth? <laughs> I saw, I know we weren't going to get into all this, but I, I just I saw a really interesting picture across my feed. There was a picture of Jelaine Maxwell. Oh. Have you seen this? Mm -mm. In Disney World? From the 80s on a stage in Disney. Really? Yeah. That's terrifying. Yeah. So, you know, interesting. So she was part of the dancing troupe or something she, like that, one of the performers. She she was like introducing some child or she was up there with uh, Mickey. I mean, it, it the 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 tagline was, I mean, how how long really has grooming and that whole thing yeah. been, been infiltrating, you know, Disney. When you look at Jelaine Maxwell, you know, uh, Jeffrey Epstein's yeah, number yep. 2 in control, and there she is on stage in Disney in the 80s. I mean, wow. Mind-blowing. Disney's mm. probably trying to squash that photo pretty quickly. No kidding. Yeah. Mm. 
All right. Well, uh, TennesseeStands.org. Gary mentioned a uh, what was it? You mentioned a, a open oh, the open letter. You're gonna yeah, have that up there. That that's up on all of our social media. I'm gonna that's gonna go out via email today. So if you're not a subscriber, uh, make sure you subscribe uh, at TennesseeStands.org. Hit the subscribe button and get on our email list. And also. Uh, we are getting ready to filter all of our all of our followers and uh, send Kevin's new book out in That's apologetic right. for literally which which last Friday I went home and and read in bed and finished it the same night. I was like, well, this is awesome. Love it. I'm gonna read it for my second time here this week. That's awesome. And Thank um, you. so if you're a recurring don donator, yeah. is that a word? <laughs> donator. Donator? Re- re- donor. <laughs> recurring don John, let me John, let me take this part, John. Do- sorry. Jesus. John okay. just made up a new word. <laughs> donator. So, so politicians when, do that all the time, right? When you exactly. go to TennesseeStands.org and click the subscribe button, uh, if you are not currently a recurring donor, we would love for you to be one so that we can send you Kevin's new book, An Apologetic for Liberty, free of charge, no cost to you. And um, we appreciate your support. I'm always here for the comedic relief. So, uh, <laughs> wow. we, lo- we love all of you donators who yes. donate. Thank you, donators. Yes. Till. <laughs> till next week. Till next week. <laughs>